You're listening to episode 79 of the Writing Life podcast from the National Centre for Writing. We're a weekly podcast for anyone who writes. I'm Steph McKenna, Communications Manager. And I'm Simon Jones. We're recording this on Friday the 14th of February here in Dragon Hall. We've had another very busy week ending with the announcement of the judges for our Early Career Awards. Yes, so we've announced the three judges for the Desmond Elliott Prize 2020, which is the country's largest prize for first novels, will be chaired by the 2018 winner, Preeti Tanedja. She'll be joined by journalists Sonia Soda and writer and broadcaster Sinead Gleeson. We also announced the judges for our two brand new awards. So the UEA New Forms Award, which is worth £4,000 to the winner and which champions innovative and daring new voices in fiction. They will be judged by poet and playwright Inua Ellams, novelist and professor Henry Sutton, writer and lecturer Dr Claire Hines and our very own programme director Peggy Hughes. And the Laura Kinsella Fellowship, which is also worth £4,000, will be judged by prize-winning novelists Rupa Faruqi and Alice Jolly and NCW Chief Executive Chris Gribble. That's a very exciting list of judges and you can find out more about all of those prizes over on our website at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk forward slash early career awards. Now, as part of the early career awards, we also wanted to create sets of resources for all writers. So even if you're not at the stage where you can be going in for these kind of prizes, we've also released the first of our packs, which was called Beginnings. And we are at the moment working on the second pack, which is called Method, and will be appearing in March. So we're going to be talking about kind of useful, practical digital tools. We've got Ema McBride talking about her approach to writing her novels. And this is something we're going to be continuing to do throughout the year. So do go and check those out. We've also been working on the fourth International Literature Showcase. This one follows Val McDermott, Elif Shafak and Jackie Kay's showcases. We can't reveal the identity um, of the writer who will be curating the showcase yet or what the theme will be, but this will be announced next week. And that's set to be another really great selection of writers. So whether you're looking for new books or new writers to book for your festival, it's going to be a really good thing to check out. And we'll also be revealing the programme for the City of Literature Strand of Norfolk and Norwich Festival next week, which I'm very, very excited to reveal because we've been working on it the past few months. There's some really, really exciting names coming up. We've got about 30 events and within those about 60 sort of instances and showings of different things. So So there's going to be tons of stuff in there. And what a coincidence that we're going to be announcing the next ILS at the same time as the City of Literature programme. Who could say why? Yeah. Meanwhile, we've noticed that we've had a lot of listeners coming in from Mexico in the last 30 days, uh, particularly from the city of Cuernavaca. So hello, if you live there. Welcome. Yes. Thank you for listening. So today we have an interview with Nurul Basri, an Indonesian writer who was resident here back in September 2019. He's talking with Kate Griffin about his journey to becoming a writer via lots of different various jobs, being inspired by the Sex and the City TV show and writing a book that's been described as the Bridget Jones of Jakarta. Nurul also talks about the challenges of trying to have work published in territories where the material itself can be considered too controversial to put out. So here's Kate Griffin talking to Nurul. Uh, Nurul, I thought maybe we could start by talking about how you became a writer. I mean, you're from Indonesia, from a, a village outside Jakarta. Yes, um, well, actually, I never know that I wanted to be a writer in the first place because, you know, I have never been introduced to any literature with my, by my family because initially my, my, my parents 
we're a farmer and then so we spend a lot of time uh, just spending our time in the, in the farm in the rice field and um that's that's what I know uh, just farming in the rice field and then doing some some things in the garden and then um, I remember that one day uh, my dad who was working as a janitor and in the in the, in the I don't know some kind of school maybe boarding school and he came home and he brought this uh, a, a very old graphic novel and then and he showed that to me and then he gave it to my mom and I was uh, maybe four or five years old and then she said like okay let's me read this to you and then even though I don't really understand what the story is about I think that was quite interesting and I said like and then my mom reminding me a couple of years ago you you always wanted uh, me to read that kind that that graphic novel even though it's already tormented and and she said like maybe that's uh, when you started uh, you like reading and writing but we don't really understand mm-hmm. but I don't really blame them and um uh I don't really uh uh, uh, went into writing and reading after that because you know I don't understand and people don't understand that I started uh, maybe interested in writing uh, later after when I was in the university actually. What did you study at university and what were you writing? Uh, um, I was initially stud- uh, I was I studied uh, Arabic language in the beginning but I thought because I thought it was a very beautiful language and it turned out it was very hard to learn. <laughs> So I decided uh, to switch my major into English. It's a bit also still hard for me actually. But yeah, uh, but I still didn't know that I want to be a writer up until I watched the Sex and the City, a Carrie mm-hmm. show in it, and then and she showed that writing could be fun. You know, just <laughs> just write uh, something that you find every day in your life, and uh, it's full of epiphany. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's what intrigues me in the beginning. And then I started making journal. I believe I was 20 years old by that time, but I didn't read much. Mm-hmm. I read only the materials that the university gave, gave to me. And then, yeah, I started very serious with my writing just uh, past couple of years. And this year's so actually mark uh, the beginning of my writing career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you came to the U- This is your second visit to the UK, isn't it? You came to the UK two years ago on a residency that was uh, funded by the National Book Committee of Indonesia. You said that that was kind of quite a, a, a changing point for you in your career as a writer. Yes, I got a residency program from National Book Committee of Indonesia two years ago in September, I believe. So I had a chance to come to London and also Norwich. Thank you for hosting me that time. Pleasure. And then um, I met a lot of people here in the UK who actually do things that who are actually following their hearts and mm. you know be brave about what they want to do. Mm. Something that I don't really recognize and the idea of leaving your job and and doing the things that you're passionate about is very alien to me. Mm. But then, you know, I thought uh, after that, I, I went home after three months staying in the UK. I went home and I said, like, oh, maybe I can do something like that also, you know, just to leave my job. I, I was then working as a waiter in the cruise ship and then I had a uh, saving. If I, if I save it, uh, if, I, if I do this correctly, like maybe just use like two or three dollars a day, 
maybe I can live uh, simply within a year, then I can be fully a full-time writer. And then, yeah, I did actually. I mean, like I can manage all of that. And within a year, I was a full-time writer. I just did my reading and did my writing and did my research and applying for scholarship and everything, which is great fun. And I, I finished a novel in 2018. And then I said, and then I got another residency program to Germany. And I spent like one month in Germany and then I got to save some also. And I said, if I can save, uh, use this money wisely, maybe two or three dollars, I can, I can survive this 2019. And then I did. Yeah. So 2019, I was also a full-time writer. So it has been two years since then. And yeah, I managed to finish also another draft. So it's very fruitful. Yeah. Is it unusual in Indonesia to be a full-time writer? I think maybe it's unusual everywhere. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very unusual. I mean, uh, as far as I know, maybe only some of us who actually do full-time writing mm. because we also have to s- sustain our life and working as something else before. Mm. Well, I started writing uh, maybe about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I was working as a cashier in the mini market to sustain my life and then also um uh operator in the internet shop and then you know waiter and then i've been a customer service and also i've been a teacher and also a salesman many many jobs i think i i I just had to earn something and then i can write in the weekend and then that's so i can still pay my rent and also uh you know uh fulfill what i really want in my life but i think that's not my own story i mean like it's every writer's stories but then yeah i said uh, i wanted to be serious about what i'm doing and then i decided to be a full-time writer but then maybe 2020 i had to go back working again <laughs> well i hope you still have plenty of time to write even if you are working hopefully so yes, yes. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about the books that you've written because you said you were inspired by Sex and the City and thinking that writing could be fun. Um, and you described one of your novels as the Bridget Jones of Jakarta. Do you want to talk a bit about that? <laughs> yes, uh, one of the works that my work that is translated into English called Love, Lies and Into Me it was published this year by Epigram Books in Singapore and also in the UK, it's about um, a woman who feels insecure about her body and suddenly these two men came into her life and then she thought that maybe these two men has an agenda. And then I thought it was just like, and it was described as a Bridget Jones diary of Jakarta. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and witty in the same time. And, mm. and um, yeah, uh, actually I, I, I started writing as a comedy, comedy writer actually mm. because you know, I, 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 I don't want to take my life very seriously, even though it's painful. And I think one of the, one of the medicine is just to laugh <laughs> to it. <laughs> and then that's, that's, uh, what inspired my tragic comedy tone in my writing. And my writing has all, always been building from like discovering yourself. And even though that I never had any agenda during the writing that, and especially not a virgin people say that it contains a lot of social issues and things that we can discuss very cultural and um, but initially when i wrote that no i i, I didn't know that it was actually 
uh, gonna turn out like that in the end because I just wanted to deliver the stories. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about Not a Virgin, which is the other novel that you've had translated into English and published in Indonesia and now here in the UK by Monsoon Books. Yes, uh, Not a Virgin. I finished writing Not a Virgin in 2011. I was I was then work as a operator in the internet shop and. I remember that the building next to uh, the shop was a salon. A hair salon. A hair salon, yes. Right. And then the, the, the workers are transgender. So between now and then, every time I had a chance, a break from my work, I, I, I went there and, and talked to them. And then they always provide a lot of interesting stories. And, um, and I just listen and listen and listen. And they also have like their own languages. Uh, a Salonese uh, lingo, which then I realized I can master that through the time of one year. In the beginning, it's very difficult. And then the, I also stayed in the uh, Pesantren, is Islamic boarding school, maybe for for a few years back then when I was a teenager. And then I think the story is actually came to me by itself. And then uh, I said like, okay, this is a story that I want to write about. And it's basically uh, told us about four high school students, two of them who is who are staying in the Islamic boarding school, but also earning money by by working in a gay bar. And um, it was very hard for me to get publication for that work because the issue is very controversial and very taboo. In, and then no, no, no publishing company actually have the guts to publish that in Indonesia because they are afraid it's not good for the publisher and it's also not good for the bookshop and it will be not good for me. And um, I remember uh, my first publication for that book is actually in Malaysia. It was translated into Malaysian language by Bukufixi. So Amir Muhammad found me through Facebook and asked me whether I have something to publish. And then I show him that manuscript and he said he really likes that. Mm. So it was published in Malaysia first in 2012 and so far it has been, it got like eight times reprinted and it didn't get any publication in my own home country up until 2017. John McLean from Lantar Foundation said that he really likes the book and he wants to translate that into English. And I said like, oh, okay, go ahead, I'm happy. Uh, and then yes, in 2019, I got a UK publisher, which is Monsoon Book. So yes, I'm quite glad and surprised that it turns out to be also distributed and read by people outside of Indonesia. Um, so it has been published in Indonesia by Lontar. Um, what was the reaction to the book in Indonesia? Um, Lantar is actually an independent publishing company which uh, the book is only sold in its own bookstore and you can only get that uh, through the online shop. Um, uh, the English version in Indonesia is actually so sold quite well but the Indonesian version is uh, is quite uh, is rare it's hard to find so I haven't got any feedback yet. Mm. Which is quite relieving for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sometimes no feedback is good feedback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, the, the feedback I receive is actually from international uh, international readers, yes. and uh, so far it's really good review. And uh, I got feedback from Sweden and and Poland and um, and um, 
Germany and, and so many other people outside of Indonesia. Mm. Yeah, I'm re really looking forward to hear something from Indonesia actually, mm. yes. Um, John McGlynn was the translator of Not a Virgin into English. How closely did you work with him on the, the translation? Yeah, um, uh, the translation process, it, it took uh, two and a half years, if I, if I remember. But that was, uh, I was working as a, as a waiter in the cruise ship, so it was very hard for, for him to reach me <laughs> because I was working in the ship and there's no internet and I only can get back to my phone maybe for like five minutes in a day and you know translation needs a work uh, closely uh, especially with this book because there are so many cultural references that if it is not uh, taken care of carefully it will got lost in translation and plus I am using the salon languages and then which I believe that the English doesn't have that uh, references and so uh, John is actually coming up with his own lingo and then for me, it's quite brilliant because I and then he, he asked me, is this the correct way to say to this and that? And then this is suffix and excess, what, what suffix and prefix, what does it mean? And how to form this in Indonesian language? And then he, he tried to do that in English languages. And mm. his work is, I know he, he works hard for this translation. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that. And yes, recreating that Salonese. Yes. Thing. Your other book, um, Love Lies in Indomie, was published in Singapore, and that was with a different translator, wasn't it? Yes, it was uh, Zedexio. Uh, he is a Malaysian and he stayed in Malaysia. But the translation uh, process was a bit easier for, mm. for us because um, even though the cultural references, I mean, we both, we could understand that kind mm. of thing. It's not, not something religious and it's not something... Uh, minority used uh, it's just general thing that pop stars and habits and also Zedek is Malaysian I think he's quite familiar with Indonesian culture even though uh, we try to keep the local uh, word uh, mm -hmm. to keep the nuances of Indonesian and uh, Asian uh, the whole cultural context yes yes, yes. That, that's it <laughs> what about the humor in that book how did that translate Oh yeah, I think uh, the review, the review actually say that they, they actually understand the humor and it translated very well. And even though I mean like something must be missing in the way, right? But um, I think I, I really liked it because yes, it translated very well. I mean, that's uh, something that you want to read uh, other than your usual chiclet. Actually, mm -hmm. this is Indonesian thing. And then, okay, you will find a lot of new things along the way. What are you working on now? Uh, I'm, I'm working the sequel of Not a Virgin. Uh, that's the thing that I'd, uh, my research in Germany last year was actually proposing the sequel for that book. And then mm. I, I, I want to mix Indonesia and Germany and, and in the sense of the relationship between the, the gay people. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I've been working that this year and I finished the first draft and hopefully I can finish the second draft. Mm. Uh, this year so also and um yeah it was a it was a very interesting journey because when I finished the draft I thought oh my god it was a horrible horrible draft <laughs> you know the thing about writing is uh, when I started and along the journey of writing it was I thought it was brilliant it was really good and um when I finished with the draft and I said okay what did I do <laughs> yes, there was a very funny post by you on social media saying how terrible you thought your draft was and everybody wrote in and said, don't worry, that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm very hard about myself. I'm, I keep uh, self-criticizing, and then I thought when I when I don't like it, I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm the first judge. You don't need to judge me. I'm judge myself already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm glad you overcame your disappointment with the first draft and have moved on to the second draft. I, I cry for like yeah. maybe like two hours, <laughs> then I slept and I go back and say, okay, I can fix this. Yes. <laughs> you spent time in the UK and you've also written a book that's set in the UK. Yes. Is that after your, your time here? Could you tell us about that? In 2017, I was here for three months and my proposal was to, to write about Indonesia and how, how, how Indonesian in, in, in London or in UK in the general. And then my proposal was granted by the National Book Committee. So I was here, so I did some research of life. Mm. And so I want to know how does it feels like to be Indonesian in UK. And then how uh, that novel was written in 2019 is... It is finally published in Indonesia under the title Rasa, a flavor, and also translated into Malaysian languages in the same year. Uh, it tells a story about a girl who came to London uh, because the invitation to be a waiter and to found out that the, the restaurant is actually non-existent in the end. So he was struggling how to find money. And then uh, she was struggling to find money. And then she ended up doing a very a very quirky jobs that uh, we never imagined that before, so it was quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a fun read. Yeah, it was really funny, but also serious. <laughs> Tragic comedy. Yeah, Tragic comedy. Well, I do hope that um, you find a UK publisher for that, because yeah, it would be fun to read that. Forward to that. Just to finish off with, I was wondering, um, because you've had such an interesting journey as a writer, what advice you would give to other writers, particularly other writers just setting out? Well, I was not introduced to a dream or, or, or to a concept that you actually can be anything that you want or you aspire to be. Because up until today, that my, my, my family still doesn't understand what, what, what I'm actually doing. I think uh, it's uh, for them this being a writer is a concept that is maybe otherworldly and um, you know my, my, my mom was just and didn't even finish her junior high school and then my dad I didn't even finish his senior high school and so yeah we didn't even read we didn't even write we don't know anything about it I mean I'm, I'm the first person in my village who actually uh, went to the university and got my bachelor degree but um, that's the so everything that I did actually the concept that uh, all the people in my village and my big family doesn't understand doesn't get but you know and at first I I also have the the mindset that okay it is impossible for me to be something that is actually familiar for me but but just keep opening my mind to anything and I think I was also quite lucky because I was giving the chance this and that. Uh, actually, I'm here. I'm a writer, actually. And um, finally, I could say to the to people that I'm actually a writer. But before that, it was a terrifying things to say. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, do not be limited by the by the thing that uh, surrounded you. I mean, if you want to go for something, just go for it. And then you have to take risk. And we only given one ticket in our life and and you have to use that ticket very wisely i mean 
I'm pushing the boat with all the strength and I don't know the boat is going to move or not but I'm pushing anyway because I feel like that's the right thing to do and I'm happy to do that. I think that's that's it. It's great, thank you very much. My pleasure, thank you for having me. <laughs> thanks for listening and thanks to Newell and Kate. Newell actually contributed to our Walking Norwich collection of literary walks, which you can find over on our website. And in fact, you can also buy the physical version of the Walking Norwich book, which contains nine? Yes, nine. Nine stories. Each of the stories take you around Norwich, but not just in a kind of walking tour kind of way. They, they dive into some of the cultural and historical significance of where they're taking you. If you've got any questions or you want to get in touch with us, you can email us info at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at Writers Centre. We're over on Facebook. And don't forget to also sign up to our newsletter if you haven't already over on the National Centre for Writing website. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because it helps other people to find the podcast and makes us feel great. Thanks again. Keep writing and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.